Amen. As we come this morning, it is a blessing to come into the house of the Lord, to take the word of the Lord and look into our hearts and lives and see that indeed our God is not a God who reigns and rules from the heavens without interacting with us, but our God is a God who speaks. A God who has chosen to reveal Himself. And for some, there is the question, well, why in the world do we support the Gideon ministry? Why do we stand with the Gideons International? Why do we pray for? Why do we raise funds for? Why do we send out and support these men? Well, they believe like us that our God is a speaking God who has revealed Himself within the Bible, who has shown His plan of redemption through the person and work of Jesus Christ, and now has sent that message forth in His Word so that every man, woman, boy, and girl to the ends of the earth might know Jesus is Lord. We proudly stand beside them and proclaim that. We proudly stand up and rejoice in the work that they are doing since 1908, having distributed some 1.71 billion Scriptures throughout the world. Here in America, 434 million Scriptures are, are distributed here, have been distributed here in our United States. We celebrate the fact that last year they ce- celebrated 84 million copies of God's Word being distributed throughout this world let me break that down for you 84 million copies that means 1.615 million copies of god's word were placed each and every week that's 231,000 copies per day 9,615 copies of god's word per hour that means that there were 160 bibles placed each and every minute all around the world and once Every second, every second that ticked past, there were two copies of God's Word placed somewhere because of our gifts and support of these men sowing God's Word. What an investment. What a great opportunity to send forth God's Word so that it could sow down the Gospel and so that many might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In Acts chapter 2.42, we are told of the early church and the early believers that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Throughout the New Testament, we are continuously instructed to retain the truth of God revealed within the Scriptures. Where will we... And so the question for you and I this morning is where will we receive the truth that sets the foundation for our interaction with our world? Where will we turn for those basic foundations that guide us in how we approach life? Will we turn to ourselves? Will we turn to our world? Or will we turn to our God who has chosen to reveal Himself in the pages of Scripture? As we come, we must understand that before we can become growing, maturing, uh, maturing disciples of Jesus Christ, we must decide who and what will control the decision-making process for our lives. What are the lens through which we will see our lives in the midst of this fallen and sinful world? Is it ourselves, our world, or our God who has revealed Himself in the text of Scripture? For some in our culture, rationalism 
and reason are the ultimate authority for life. But indeed, there are two problems with this. First of all, our mind is finite. We do not know all that there is to know. Secondly, our mind is sinful. And so we chase after things that we shouldn't. For others, their emotions is a source of authority in the midst of their lives. But emotions are unreliable and inconsistent at best. We constantly change our emotions based on our situation and our experiences. Still others within our culture say that they rely on on their conscience to be their source of authority. But the problem is our conscience often reflects what we have been fed in the midst of our lives. And so we would say as Christians, we would respond that there is only one source of authority within this world on which the foundations of our life should be set and the decisions of our life should be made. And that one foundation is the word of God that is his revealed truth to our ultimate reality. As we partner with, pray for, and send out and and support the Gideons in their endeavor to saturate this world with, with God's Word, we do so because our shared belief in, love for, and devotion to the wondrous working Word of God. As we come this morning... We do not stand on what we think. We do not stand on what the world thinks. We stand on what God's Word says within the text of Holy Scripture. And as we come this morning, I want you to ask the question, how would God have you devote yourselves to participating in the saturation of this world through His Word, whether that is praying for the Gideons, whether that is donating today as we go out at the end of the service, or whether, as Brother Don mentioned just a while ago, that is giving your life to be a part of going and spreading the Word of God all throughout the watching world. So with that being said, and us looking at the text this morning of Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah chapter 55, we want to look and to see the wondrous working word of our living God. Let's stand now in honor of the reading of this God's holy and inspired word. There from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 13, the word of the Lord says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up and instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Father, we pray that this morning your word would not return empty, but it would find fertile soil within our hearts and within our souls. And Lord, that it would change us, transform us, so that we might live out the transforming power of the working word of God. Lord, we ask now 
that as always you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage that God sent His Word into the world so that His fallen creatures, those who had rebelled against Him, rejected Him, who had refused Him at every turn, the ones who had reviled and spit in His face, might know, serve, and worship Him through His work of redemption. God loved us so much that in spite of us rejecting Him, in spite of us rebelling against Him, in spite of us reviling Him, He still loved us enough to redeem us. And the message of the Bible is that our God is working to redeem sinful man to himself so that as sons and daughters of the Most High, we might show his gospel to all the world. As we come this morning, indeed, we understand that Jesus is the hermeneutical principle through which we understand all of the Bible. How do you interpret, understand, and apply the Word of God? It is through seeing and knowing and understanding Jesus Christ and His work of redemption for every man. In fact, Jesus in Isaiah, or in Luke chapter 24, verses 20, 44 through 47, we see Jesus say this about the Word of God. He says, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So even when we find ourselves in the midst of the Old Testament, how do we read and understand and apply the Bible? Through the lens of Jesus, through the work, person of, and work of Jesus Christ. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it was written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in the name to in his name to all nations so we come today we get to rejoice in seeing the word of god going out and spreading to all nations that's what we desire to see within our community within our city our county our country and our world we want to see the word of god that message of redemption the message of transformation not of self-help but god's transformation within every man woman boy and girl spread to the ends of the earth so that all those that we know might come to know serve and worship god through his work of redemption. And that is why God has given us his word. As we begin this morning, let's begin there in verses 8 and 9 by seeing God's word is his divine disclosure. God's word is his divine disclosure. He says in verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, in the Bible, we find our divine creator revealing himself through human words, coming into our reality and telling us who he is, how he works and who we are and how we are to respond. In verses 8 and 9, God informs us that his purpose in Revelation is because outside of his revealing himself to us, we would never be able to understand ourselves, our existence or our maker. We would never grasp the reality. We would never understand things like the Trinity that our God is one in eternal essence, existing perpetually as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We would never grasp the story of the gospel or come up with the story, the message that Jesus Christ would redeem us from our sins so that we could live forever with him. See, God's thinking is so far beyond ours that we can never understand his thinking and his ways unless he told us his ways. 
So in the Bible, we find our beginning, we find our being, we find our purpose. And in the beginning, we understand in the Bible, it says that we were created to live in a pure and perfect relationship with God. And yet Adam and Eve transgressed his commands. And because of that, they were under his wrath for their disobedience. They were separated. They were kicked out, removed from the garden. And ever since Adam and Eve's existence on this earth, we too have the same problem because every man that has followed in their every woman that has followed in their stead, every child who has followed in their path has also refused and rejected their Creator and His commands. So we understand that's the beginning. We understand that that's the state of where we are. In fact, look at verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah chapter 55. And there we see God calling to those who are unable to reconcile, to restore, and to replenish that relationship. He says to man, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Do you hear that? Here is the God who has been rejected by man reaching out and extending and saying, Come and be restored. Come and be refreshed. Come and be replenished. I want to restore you fully. But it's not because of who you are. You can't buy this. You can't work yourself. You can't earn your way there. You have to receive it because it's my work. This is the call of God to those that have no ability to nourish and nurture themselves to come to Him. And Jesus in the New Testament will say, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll take your burden, and I'll give you my burden. What a glorious exchange that is. Verses 6 and 7 tell us more about that exchange. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts and let Him return to the Lord and He will have compassion on Him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. What a great work of salvation when God takes your sin and He gives you His righteousness and He makes you His son or daughter. Spurgeon says eternal life is a pure gift of heaven's charity, and that is absolutely true. There's nothing you and I could ever do to gain salvation, but God has offered it to us freely if we will come and repent of our sin and place our faith, our trust, our reliance in His work of redemption. And so we see that He will join us in an everlasting covenant to Himself. And and isn't it great in verse 6 when it says, Seek God while He may be found. And I want to challenge you today. Seek God while He may be found. Well, you don't know, Pastor. I I might live another 80 years. Yeah, you might live another 8 minutes too. You never know. Story is told of one pilot who was flying around in a small plane. And as he was buzzing around, he all of a sudden had an emergency. And he called in. He called in to the tower and he said, Pilot to tower, pilot to tower. I'm 300 miles from the airport, 600 feet above the ground, and I'm out of fuel and need, and rapidly descending. Please advise, over. 
After a few seconds of pause, the ground control responded back, tower to pallet, tower to pallet, repeat after me, our Father who art in heaven. Now we laugh, but that's true, isn't it? We need to seek God while He can be found. While we have that opportunity. The price of admission into God's kingdom, though, is, flow, is not your works. It is not my works. It is God's, uh, God's arrangement that He has provided compassion and pardon through repentance and faith. Indeed, while you and I see our selfishness and God's selflessness through the gospel, we need to trust ourselves to Him. We need to follow His plans. For indeed, what man would have ever devised this design by which we would be saved? See, we're a people who only give gifts when we get gifts. We only give smiles when we get smiles. We only wave when somebody else waves at us first. We are only kind because somebody else has been kind to us. And now we feel like we're obligated to be kind. And here's what it says. God loved us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, this is so much higher than our ways. This is much greater than anything we would have ever written or come up with in and of ourselves. Have you ever tried to explain the grace of God and the goodness of God to an unsaved person who thinks that heaven is nothing more than a hall of fame for achievers instead of the Father's house for believers? you ever taken time and tried to explain that heaven is not about a hall of fame for achievers, those who are special and have worked hard to get in? Heaven is about being God's house, a father's house for those who have believed in Christ. In this world, we tend to think we have to work hard to get everything that we want, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, is what we have been told. But God gives generously to those that don't even deserve it. And Deuteronomy 29.29 ties in exactly with this passage that says, My ways are higher than your ways. And there it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may may follow all the words of this law. God has chosen to reveal Himself. He has chosen indeed to have divine disclosure in the text of Scripture. And for J. J. Alec Mortier, he says this, this cancels the useless and debilitating question, why? In the face of all difficulties. You ever ask that question, why? In the face of all difficulties, he goes on and says, not only does this cancels the useless and debilitating question, why in the face of life's difficulties, it opens the door to the blessed reality of faith in a God who is truly God. So what do you do when you don't comprehend God? What do you do when you don't understand the situation and the circumstances? When your money goes funny and all of your, your possessions seem to be slipping away, when your family seems to be falling apart, when your children seem to be running, into utter chaos what do you do you trust the living God because his ways are better than our ways his thoughts are better than our thoughts indeed we have a God who causes all things to all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his promise indeed we have a God who works graciously even in the midst of our Christ hanging on a cross Aren't you thankful that God worked in that way? Aren't you 
thankful that the divine disclosure of Scripture says it's not dependent upon you to be saved. It's not dependent upon me to be saved. I don't earn my possession of salvation. I receive it. God's word is his divine disclosure of his thoughts and ways to redeem sinful and fallen man. But secondly, we also see that God's word is given for his good purpose. God's word is given for his good purpose there in verses 10 and 11 for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven do and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what i desire and without succeeding in the matter for which i sent it forth see just as the rain from heaven causes the vegetation to grow so god's word accomplishes precisely what he intends it to and determines it to accomplish it is a redemptive tool working in the lives of our of sinful people so that those who read it and come to repent of their sins and trust in jesus christ as savior and lord might have everlasting life it is telling them the truth of who they are what their purpose is and how they can be in right relationship to the living God. And that's something each of us need. Just like the rain is needed. Indeed, we have rejoiced in the rain that has blessed and flourished our plants and vegetation and crops in this area. We also understand that there is a great wave of drought across the Midwest. But indeed, we see and understand that that rain falls upon the earth for a purpose. It is given by God to to nourish, to refresh, to restore, and to replenish. In verse 11, that we see that comparison between the rain to the word of God, which falls upon his people's heart so that it might accomplish that purpose of redemption. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we understand that all scripture is inspired. It is literally God breathed. It is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, as we read at the beginning, we see the power of God's Word that, that is working in the midst of the world. And there it says, For the Word of God is what living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, when you get this book and you pick it up and you start to read it, it's not so much about you reading reading the Word as it is about the Word reading you. And it's going to tell you who you are, where you are, and how you can relate to the living God. For it says in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4, And there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God's purpose in his word is to show us ourselves and to show us his Savior so that we might come to surrender to Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our King. See, God's goal, God's goal in publishing His word, his message of redemption on the pages of Scripture was ultimately so that that message of redemption might be published on the pages of our souls. God's purpose in publishing the message of redemption on the pages of Scripture is ultimately 
so that that message of redemption might be published on the pages of our souls. When a local preacher died, his relatives went to his house and there they found many things. One of the things that they found were all the messages that this preacher had ever preached. And they were all tied together and bundled nicely and sitting there. And on top of them, there was a little inscription on a note card. And there it said, where has the influence gone of all these sermons I have preached? Underneath, there was a little word scribbled and it said, over. And so the relatives took that little bundle and they turned them over. And on the other side, the answer was found when when the pastor had written, Where are last year's sun rays? They have gone into fruits and grain and vegetables to feed mankind. Where are last year's raindrops? Forgotten by most people, of course. But they did their refreshing work and their influence still abides. So too my sermons have gone into lives and made them nobler, more Christ-like and better fitted for the kingdom of heaven. Even, Even when we speak God's word in simple, stumbling, or stuttering manner. The fact is, God uses His Word to change the hearts of the people. Indeed, what should we speak to our relatives who are in distress? We should give them God's Word. What should we do for our children who are going awry? We should give them God's Word. What do we do when we start down the wrong path ourselves? We read and meditate and memorize God's Word because God's Word is truth. It tells us who we are, where we are, and how we can relate to God. Indeed, the Soviet Union knew and understood this well because the Soviet Union would not allow Bibles within the midst of that country. And upon being asked, one Soviet official responded to the question, why was the Bible not allowed in the Soviet Union? He said this, we find that the reading of the book changes people in a way that is dangerous to our state. See, it's not so much about us reading the Word as it is about the Word reading us getting into our hearts and our lives, changing and transforming us, moving us so that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. Indeed, our desire is to saturate the fields of harvest with the water of the working Word of God because it will not return to God void or empty. It will accomplish the purposes for which He has sent it forth. It indeed will at the end succeed in the manner for which He intends it. God's Word is given for His good purpose of redeeming people. Finally, this morning, we see in verses 12 and 13 that God's Word redeems those that receive it. It refreshes, it restores, it replenishes. Indeed, look at verse 12. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. This verse describes both the joy of the exiles as they leave captivity 
and the joy of the true spiritual Israel when they share in the glorious exodus in the end of the age and the return of the land when the when Jesus Christ returns for his bride and calls us to be with him when every tear will be wiped away when all things will be made new when the kingdom is established forever and all of nature will sing to the Lord for in that moment the curse of sin death and hell will be overcome with a shout of victory and the mountains and the hills will burst forth in song the trees will clap their hands and i'm just sometimes left wondering in the midst of praise and worship why aren't we singing like the hills and the mountains why aren't we clapping like the trees why aren't we rejoicing with all of creation for indeed we know jesus christ who has set us free from sin death and hell we live in the fa- in the promise that the curse is overturned and there is a promise of a replenishment that will never pass away romans chapter 8 verse 19 says for we know that the whole of creation groans and labors they long with birth pains uh, together until now they're longing for jesus christ to return and to make all things new is Isn't it amazing how quickly in the midst of the delivery room that pain, that agony, that that difficulty is turned into great rejoicing and the groans go to great when that little baby comes forth and it's held. What a powerful picture. See, in the beginning we saw sin turn the garden into a desert. But God's grace is working through His Word to turn that desert back into a glorious and fruitful garden. And we rejoice in that because we are participants. We have received by grace His Word. We see and understand that we are forgiven for our sins when we repent of them and place our faith in Jesus Christ who died as our sovereign substitute there on the cross of Calvary and then rose again uh, signifying that He has overcome, that He has defeated sin, death, and hell. And now we have the word of truth to take to the watching world. We want to saturate this world with the word of God, the working word of God that redeems sinners and makes them saints. Let me ask you this morning, is that in your heart? Have you been redeemed, first of all? Have you been changed? Have you been transformed by the wonderful working word of God that has told you of your sin, of God's Savior, and called you to come and to surrender? This morning, let me ask you this question. If you do know that, are you committed and active in sharing that with those around you? Are you sending it out in the midst of your family, in the midst of your friends, in the midst of your workplace, in the midst of your school, schools, in the midst of our world? Are you invested in sending out God's word? Let us be people who hear God calling, come, come to me, come to me, come to me. Let us be people who come in that moment. Father, may we come. May we come and celebrate the gift of redemption in Jesus Christ. May we come to be restored and to be replenished. May we come to see your mission accomplished throughout the watching world by sending your word out and saturating our world in the wondrous working word of the living God. Lord, lead and guide us in our time of decision now. May everything that we do and say be to your honor, your glory, and to the furtherment of your kingdom. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. We close out our time this